welcome to China Paradigm, a show powered by Dasha Consulting, where we interview seasoned entrepreneurs and experienced managers in China about their business and experience in the country. Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew David, the founder of Dasha Consulting and its podcast, China Paradigm. Joining me today is Michael Chow, co-founder of Maggie. And I'd like to read what you wrote, Michael, on your LinkedIn profile, because I think it's... Um, It's a very entrepreneurial way of showing a business and talking about the business. So Maggie is a cloud-based accounting software that brings easiness and beauty to the management and control of small and startup businesses in China. And I want to stop here. And that's something I'm, I, I feel very interesting. You say easiness and beauty to the management. I think in every entrepreneur, everyone who is starting something, developing something, whether it is in business and entrepreneur, whether it is, uh, I don't know, in politics as politician or in an um, association and as volunteer, people who create things, they do things also for beauty, for aesthetics. And you state it in, on LinkedIn. That's a very interesting uh, statement. Then you say, working in seamless collaboration with the outsourced accountants in Maggie cloud platform, small business owners or management can also have their bookkeeping, tax filing, annual compliance effectively completed, as well as acquire on-time financial and management advisory service. That's what you provide. You provide a SaaS um, service, so SaaS basically, which means software as a service, which has become a trend over the last um, five, seven, eight years. And we know the big SaaS businesses like Zoom is a SaaS, we are using it now, uh, Slack is a SaaS, Spotify is a SaaS. You have many, many businesses as a SaaS, um, mainly because um, it's also very easy to, 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 to manage in terms of, 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 of cash, in terms of finance, and also because it, that's what the clients are looking for. You have a team of about 10 people, if information on LinkedIn is correct, you may uh, correct us later on. And the company was uh, started in 2015. You are also a director of people and culture at a company called Axel Standard. And this is something you, you, you will explain us more uh, because our understanding is that this Axel Standard is a promotion of accounting norms, of accounting best practices among the industry. And this is something I like to ask questions on. So first question, uh, how, how is your company currently? We're just ending uh, the pandemic, right? A few weeks ago. Uh, today is the 4th of June. Oh, oh yes. Uh, thanks a lot, Matthew. Um, actually, you know, uh, Maggie has been around for about six years. And uh, actually, uh, we've, uh, we've been growing our subscription. Uh, you know, we do, we do business with uh, uh, small, medium-sized uh, enterprises in China, especially foreign companies. Um, actually, you know, our, we have been keeping a growth growing our, our subscriptions, but the growth rate is very, very slow. It's very slow. Um, um, actually, um, you know, but recently we've experienced, we've experienced in the, the, the outbreak of the pandemic, uh, uh, coronavirus pandemic in China. Um, but uh, um, maybe uh, to your surprise, actually um, uh, we, we didn't see a, a very um, obvious slow down of our subscription. We didn't see any uh, of our, you know, uh, clients leaving Maggie. They continue to use our uh, software 
And I think that is because of, uh, you know, most of our clients, they are quite strong. They are quite strong in terms of, you know, uh, their business management. So you were saying that growth was slow. So you were not very satisfied with growth in the past over the last uh, six years. And during the pandemic, first, you didn't suffer from it. First thing, people didn't unsubscribe. But what you are, you said actually in one article we found online is that you said that actually you even grew. You got new clients during the pandemic or just after, basically during those uncertain times. Yes. Um, actually, you know, um, uh, I, I can give you the reason. Um, actually, um, those those companies they really make good use of our products. Uh, uh, you know, small businesses that are serious about managing their operations and managing their financials. You know, um, and uh, also they require a um, very qualified and professional, experienced accountants to help them to really. Uh, you know, uh, put their operations under well control and help them to perform, you know, good financial reporting analysis to, 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 to maximize their profits. So actually those companies using our uh, software, they are quite strong. They function very properly and well during the normal times uh, so that when they are suffering from the, uh, you know, impact uh, uh, of the uh, ep epidemic, they still um, have a strong, you know, body. Uh, they, they are kind of immune from the uh, virus um, and, and, and they can keep functioning. And then that's why they are, they are in a better survival chance. Um, so actually, so although we, we've seen a very slow increase of our number of subscriptions, but those of our clients, they are quite strong in terms of uh, organization and they can actually, in, they are in a better position to, to dispel the impact from the uh, pandem pandemic and their f survival rate is much higher. Okay. So, so and that, far, and for, for yourself, uh, so no impact of the pandemic and for your clients, basically what you are saying is that your clients have not been much impacted neither. Uh, I, think they are, uh, I think all these small businesses are impacted, but uh, what, what, you know, uh, why, why, uh, what differentiates our clients is that they have a much healthier, healthier body to really combat the virus, to combat the impact, you know, because they have a much better cash flow. They have a strong internal control. They have a good relationship with their employees. Everything, you know, combined together, make them in a better position to com combat, combat the uh, impact of the virus. Yeah. Um, so that's why, you know, we are growing slowly, but uh, we are uh, very, you know, um, we are not too much affected. Our business and our subscription numbers are not too much affected by the outbreak of the epidemic. Okay. How many how many uh, um, companies are using your your software currently? Um, uh, uh, a little bit less than one thousand. That's a nice but, number. But that's a quite small number uh, in comparison with our international counterparts. For for example, QuickBook Online and Zero. They have more than two million subscribers worldwide. Uh, you know, you know, our number is quite minimal uh, comparing with their numbers. You know, uh, on the other hand, uh, they focus on the entire world, uh, especially the U.S., and you are focusing on international business or foreign businesses in China, if I'm correct. So the, the, it's, a, it's it's a niche which is. Uh, a good to be in a niche because you are protected, you don't compete with the big ones, but on the other hand, you cannot expect to have a, 
a, a high number of, of, of clients and users. The, is my analysis correct? Is that you're really focusing on this niche of uh, foreign international businesses in China? Uh, uh, I think uh, that's quite correct. Uh, that's quite correct, but also it's changing. Uh, uh, what you said is very correct uh, in that uh, uh, we are, you know, staying in a very niche market where we have no competition. You know, we have no competition because the foreign, uh, our foreign counterparts like Zero and QuickBook Online, it is very difficult for them to make entrance into Chinese markets because the statutory regulation in terms of accounting and taxation here are quite different. And also they do not have a Chinese uh, language interface. And we have all of them. Uh, and we also have a good usability and we have a good beauty of the design of our software. So that's why we have a distinct competitive advantage in our niche market. Um, um, the reason why, so maybe you, can, you want to ask a question, why we, are, we do not, we serve, you know, most of our clients are from foreign companies. It is because foreign companies in China, they are serious about managing their financials in comparison with their Chinese counterparts. Interesting. Um, that's what you, you that's the conclusion you drove is that uh, the foreign players may be more picky and look at their financials more than the Chinese companies, which maybe uh, don't look at it because business was so good before. So you don't look at your financials when, when business is good, when it's growing on average double digit without much effort, without to, to, to have to do much about it. Does it make sense? Uh, I think uh, what you said, the reason uh, accounts for maybe uh, some of the, um, accounts for some of the reasons why, you know, uh, uh, we, we are seeing that uh, foreign companies are, performing much better than their Chinese counterparts in terms of managing their financials. But that is um, unfortunately not the most important reason. I think the most important reason is the uh, culture. Culture, the way they look at managing their businesses, the way, you know, uh, how serious uh, about managing their financials. And, uh, and uh, this is a business culture because the foreign um, expat uh, manage, management or expat business owners, when they were back in their foreign countries, like in United States, Australia, and uh, Britain, they are already used to this scientific way of management. They really utilize the management accounting principles and theories to really better um, you know, control their business. And that helped them, helped them to maintain a quite decent cash flow and lower down their cost and make their operations much more profitable. So that's their belief. That's their way of managing their business. And that belief, you know, really fits in well with the design of our software because our software enabled the foreign management to really, uh, you know, actually streamline their operations and input, record accurately their data and issue, uh, you know, um, uh, financial reports that, that can be referenced uh, for, for decision-making. But in China, you know, the way a business done is done is, is quite different in terms of the business culture. And Chinese companies, the business owners, they tend to, you know, uh, just uh, use their brain to remember their transactions sometimes, to some extent. And also, we have a phenomenon called dual book in China because, uh, to be frank, a large percentage of the Chinese small businesses, they engage in different degree tax evasion activities. That, that is a, sorry, but that is a phenomenon in China. And they do not want to expose their book uh, to the public. Uh, and they, they don't want to put their numbers on cloud. Uh, this is a natural tendency. And also 
a lot uh, they just acquire their business um, to an uh, extent from you know building relationship with the government building relationship with their clients so that's where they just uh, acquire their, their their businesses okay so all these characters combined together you know uh, we can come to come to the conclusion that uh, you know the chinese business owners um, they tend not to put a lot of emphasis on you know the scientific management so that's why you know um, they are not using um, the, the, there's a not a, a, a large percentage of uh, chinese businesses using our software and um, so actually you can also come to the conclusion from another logic look at the foreign countries you know these uh, big um, big uh, internet you know saas accounting software companies like zero and uh, quickbook online they are already extremely successful but in china we do not see such kind of uh, company big co- big company um, the, the the reason is because of the characteristics of the market you know there's a quite a different mindset between western business culture and chinese business culture but True. but yeah a few people uh, we interviewed a few people in saas uh, SaaS kind of business, one of them being social media SaaS, so to manage WeChat, Weibo, and so on. Another one with cloud, um, a, a cloud, pure cloud company um, providing space, so uh, in 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 the internet uh, for for your file and for your for your 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 softwares to to put on, and they were both saying that Chinese companies tend to not spend too much on corporate solutions corporate softwares because they would prefer to allocate the time of someone in their team to actually replace uh, this software and there is a sense of uh, i better uh, allocate more time spend more time than paying for a solution a software uh, uh yeah uh, yes I, i think i think i think first of all you know um, chinese companies um they tend to actually um, put more of their resources into uh, into the activity of acquisition of business so that's a character you know because for them for them the most important thing is that they want to do marketing they want to do business development and uh, the utmost uh, important thing for them is to acquisition of the business from their clients and um, so that's where you see uh, most of their resources go you know um you know and 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 in terms of the foreign businesses they tend to actually to make sure that the the product and service they deliver is of high quality good quality that make their clients happy that make their clients successful so that they can get referred clients they can get you know clients from you know referrals and and uh, and because of their reputation you know in, in professional reputation in the industry so that that's a different way um i i tend to see that you know my observation tells me that uh, you know uh, the the foreign consumers or our clients they are relatively mature in terms of identifying the quality of of the products or services offered by their suppliers so that they make a relatively you know informed and uh, and a good decision about what they buy you know but in china things are a little bit different you know uh, you know um, making decision about what kind of product service uh, service buy sometimes are not so um, sometimes are not so rational sometimes are not so logic uh, sometimes as very much affected by the you know uh, uh, fictional characters okay so that's a that's a difference i'm not saying which one is better which one is worse but uh, we need to really 
really, you know, uh, spots these differences. Uh, and also one of my advice to foreign companies is that when they go to China, they really need to study the, the patterns of uh, purchase the behavior of the Chinese consumers. They need to also adjust the way they just uh, perform their business development and marketing so that they can really fit into the Chinese market. But at the same time, it is really a good idea that they can maintain their scientific way of management. So, but it is very difficult for the foreign expert managers to achieve this balance, you know, it is very difficult. Um, and that, that may, I don't know if that answers your question, yeah. Yeah, um, and do you think, um, Times are changing now. Uh, my my feeling, my personal feeling is that um, you have those very uh, now international and uh, very uh, uh, international level um, Chinese companies. Uh, we talk about the Huawei AI and so on, but which are actually examples of good management now within the country. And the small and medium companies, which may raise money from investors, which have ambitions, and basically now... Um, nothing is cheap anymore so you can you have to manage your company much more accurately to to make sure you don't do a mistake so don't you think that times are changing now and small and medium chinese companies are also improving the way they manage internally and control the business uh this is a this is a very good question and uh, actually uh, we work with uh, a number of uh, highly qualified accounting firms or individual freelance uh, business advisors in China. And uh, to be very frank, you know, uh, 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 foreign companies account for more than 90% of our subscribers. Uh, okay. And uh, actually, um, pre um, previously, uh, you know, our accounting firm partners and the freelance uh, uh, advisors they actually work in collaboration with uh, with our foreign business clients to help them to supervise their accounts to provide advisory services to them um, but uh, recently we are seeing an increasing number of chinese business clients using the services provided by our you know uh, um, business advisory partners and this is a very um, you know a, uh, there's a there's there's a clear uh, trend. We see a clear trend about these kind of increasing numbers of Chinese business uh, clients, and uh, they are of some kind of common patterns. And uh, and uh, they, their business owners are, you know, after the 80s, so they are quite young. And also, uh, some of them were educated overseas. And um, this is a clear pattern. And uh, um, uh, yes, but 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 there's not a clear pattern, you know, where they come from. You know, maybe uh, maybe uh, we we imagine that maybe a, a large percentage of these business owners come from the uh, you know uh, uh, new year uh, sectors like internet, you know. But uh, they, but it is not, you know, they come from a, a wide range of different sectors, you know. So it's yeah. really. It's yeah. interesting. My my understanding is that uh, what you are saying is that your your Chinese clients uh, are um, are those who have been overseas, uh, partly educated overseas. And when we look at the number actually of um, Chinese students overseas, it's not a small amount. On top of my head, I remember that about 
800,000 Chinese students in the US only as a stock of students, because there is a flow in the stocks, the number of students staying for three or four years uh, in, in the US or even more sometimes. Uh, and there is a flow of like 200, 300,000 every year um, uh, from China to the US until now. Maybe things have changed from last year uh, because of the trade war and because of what's happening. For sure, it has been impacted. But basically, those those students go back to China, and those are the ones who are going in the coming five, ten years, being involved in decisions in companies, starting businesses. Uh, those are the ones who are going to uh, be asked by their management team to find a solution to better manage the company, to come up with a standard. And they used in the U.S. or they saw. QuickBooks, for instance. So they are going to find a QuickBook of China, um, and then they will find you. Is it is it what's happening? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you are talking about precisely what's what's been happening. You know, um, uh, actually, this uh, you know this globalization. I mean, this phenomenon, this kind of uh, you know Chinese students starting overseas, Chinese people working overseas in the Western countries. They you know they actually they put themselves into the real. Uh, Western business culture, and uh, they learn from the uh, Western businesses, and they, in, they immerse their career into those uh, business environments. And then they were they were incrementally educated um, by how to better and scientifically run the business to make it pro- more profitable and controllable. Um, and when they come back, they just uh, bring back the same business culture, and that is quite good, you know, because because China is under economic reform, you know, um, you know. Previously, the acquisition of uh, resources in terms of non uh, uh, human resource, natural resources, and human resource in China, you know, is quite is easier and the cost is lower, you know. But increasingly, China will have to face the problem of you know the increase the cost of all kind of resources to perform. To conduct the businesses, and then management and accounting and uh, and you know controlling become increasingly important to really make the business viable in the future. At the same time, the Chinese government has been pushing forward the tax reform, you know, and and it is increasingly difficult for the Chinese business to hide their numbers, and they they uh, and uh, they will have to be forced to achieve financial visibility. So all these factors drive the uh, the increase of numbers of uh, of those Chinese businesses using our uh, accounting services from from our platform. You know, and yeah, then as a result, they use our software. To give a bit of um, perspective to people listening to us, um, over the last ten years, I think uh, taxes have been much more well collected in China. Uh, to get to get an, to give an example the restaurant business, uh, all the businesses, uh, coffee shop, restaurants, where there was a lot of payment in cash, uh, is going now through WeChat and Alipay. And this is electronically recorded. So even though some people still uh, make people pay on their personal uh, Alipay or WeChat, most of businesses now have a, 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 an account, professional account, to collect the money. So indeed, we can we we can understand that now. Also, the calculation of GDP, which have always been uh, a bit of a, a question of the calculation of GDP in China, I believe also is going to be much more easily. Uh, calculated and accurate, and with higher level of granularity um, in 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 in, yes. in China. Um, I I like to know. So, one thousand clients, roughly. Uh, your pricing is about four hundred GMB per month. Does it mean that you are about now a size of five million GMB in a year? Um, um actually, um, a- uh, actually not. Uh, we have a. Uh, 
different level. Uh, we have uh, different versions. We have uh, uh, we have a so-called standard version, uh, which is more of a management accounting software, where the business clients they can actually manage their sales, purchase, and uh, expenses, and uh, they can perform back reconciliation, um, and then later uh, accounting statements. Okay. Uh, this is a kind of a full version, full features version of our software. We have uh, also another version called Smart Ledgers. Smart Ledgers are used by bookkeepers and accountants to increase their efficiency of uh, compliance services, only compliance. Um, so Smart Ledger version is of a much lower price because uh, these kind of uh, management accounting features are not incorporated. Okay. okay. Um, so that means uh, our revenue is uh, is uh, is lower than uh, five five million actually, and and sometimes we also give discounts uh, for large volume purchase from our accounting service partners. You know, we do not actually do business uh, directly. Sometimes there is inquiry from internet and uh, the the small business they just uh, can use our software by free trial and then they make a decision. That's okay. But we do not actually go to our clients, you know, office and. Uh, demonstrate our software to them because our subscription is very low. So actually our business model relies on heavily on our accounting firms who really provide advisory services to their clients. And they really need to rely on our software to share one set of a book with their clients anytime and anywhere. So that's why they, are, they have incentive uh, to help us sell our software. So that's our business model. And we give discounts to them, you know. I, I got it. That that's actually the beauty of SaaS is that you get uh, payment every month as 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 a manager of the company. Uh, it's very predictable. It's very stable, and you have time to build new features. You have time to think about how to make your software beautiful, as you said, a beauty of of dashboard and adding uh, features. But the downside is that you cannot charge a, a company a client too much. Uh, usually, the, the the monthly charge is is is, is has is, is not enough to 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 cover with one client uh, or a few clients your 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 setup or your your expenses. So you need to have a massive number of clients to be able to cover your your expenses and and your 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 cost basically. Um, what 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 was your perspective when you started the business? What was your your idea of number of clients. One certain clients, I feel, it's a decent amount of, of clients in your niche, which are foreign businesses. What is your objective? Is it to reach uh, 10,000, 1 million? What was your objective initially? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, when we started this business, actually, uh, if, if, uh, if we expected uh, that we will be having a uh, maybe 1,000 subscribers uh, from, from the outset of starting our business, we would be very, you know, unsatisfied. We would have been very unsatisfied um, because, uh, you know, this is a SaaS business. You, you are talking about uh, the numbers. Actually, you are right in saying that, you know, we, we, we just uh, collect uh, subscription fees monthly. So the monthly subscription fee is quite low, as, as you can see. Um, that means we, we are really, we've been really expect, expecting a, large, a much larger number of subscribers, you know, um, actually, when we started this business, we were aware that, uh, you know, it takes a long time for Chinese business on board our platform because they are not serious about managing their financials. And we cannot just educate the market. We have to wait the market to, to become increasingly mature. But we did actually predicted that uh, uh, the foreign business sector can 
serve as a sufficiently large market for us. Even it's a niche market, we have more than uh, two hundred thousand small foreign businesses in China. More than yeah. You, you okay? You estimated two hundred thousand foreign businesses in China. I thought it would be uh, um, uh, smaller than this. Um, oh, okay, so it's it's still still room to grow. You can grow by two hundred times as the number you currently have. Um, talking about the product, so uh, to to deep dive a bit in the product, you are offering uh, a dashboard on your finance. Uh, you are also um, helping um, to do expense claim for the team. Uh, you are helping to understand the fixed assets. I'm, I'm reading the different features of your software and also um, making it easier to build clients or to remind that it has not been paid, um, etc. or everything around billing. To manage multi-currency as well businesses, and we see that it seems that um, international businesses are, are your segment uh, because you have this feature. What we call bank reconciliation, basically that the payment has been received, so you don't have accounts receivable. And FAPIO management, which is very, very Chinese. Uh, FAPIO is an invoice which is directly connected to the softwares of government. So it's, every time you issue a FAPIO, the government knows within the minute how, many, how much taxes you have to pay and how, how much revenue you have uh, generated. Right. And then inspection and uh, reporting. Uh, that's what you, with KPI you can set up and so on. Um, could you tell us more about uh, the, the features uh, I've just described and uh, what are the key features that your client buy? Because when we have a lot of features, sometimes you, you have a, a, a killer feature, you have a star feature. For instance, subscribers of Spotify may subscribe because of one playlist they often listen to and they want to listen with that advertisement. So what are the key features your, your clients are um, valuing? Uh, first of all, thank you very much for your you know, research into our product. <laughs> uh, actually, you described the main features. Mm. So actually, we have these uh, different modules in terms of expenses, in terms of sales, purchase, and uh, back reconciliation, fixed assets, and payroll, FAPIO. Um, um, actually, you know, companies from different sectors, they, use, they, they actually tend to use a different set of uh, features. Um, um, because they, they, you know, they, uh, because of the uh, different nature of their business. Okay, so uh, if you ask me what what are the killing feature, I would say um, back reconciliation because back reconciliation is the core feature that organizes all other features together. Uh, 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 let's look at what small business owners are most concerned about when they are managing their financials. It is really about they want to track their account receivable. Have I received money for these uh, sales or not? So, uh, you know, uh, how much is overdue and how that will affect my cash flow. Also, they track the purchase, you know, uh, have I paid the supplier? Um, and how much I'm going to pay, and also expenses. They want to control their expenses, you know. But, uh, you know, actually, eventually, all the cash flow is reflected in the um, back statements. And they want to really reconcile sometimes weekly, sometimes even daily, uh, between their back statements, the, the, the ins and outs of their cash flow, with their sales purchase and expenses in order to I keep see. track of their financials. So that's our so, most prominent feature. Yeah. So it's it, it to, to make sure that, the, so to know a country receivable, so how many invoices you send to clients which have not been 
paid. But when it's paid, then your software is going to match with the invoice because you see the same amount of money in the bank account from the same um, the company with the same name that you have inputted in software. And also in terms of expenses, you match the expenses with the FAPIO because uh, for people who listen to us from overseas, if you don't have a FAPIO in China, you cannot put your cost, your yes, expenses and to deduct from CIT, um, the tax, the corporate taxes. So Correct. this interesting, interesting point. Uh, small businesses want to make sure that um, their money is going to the right place and they collect the money. I have a question about banks. You talk about bank reconciliation. And from my own experience um, and um, at Dasha Consulting, we are using... Um, we have a company in Beijing. We have a company in Shanghai. We are using two different banks. And those banks, in terms of softwares, are bad. They are using Internet Explorer. You cannot open on Chrome. You, you, you have to download the software every time you want to open the, the, the account. Um, and it's not small business. It's not small banks. It's Bank of China and, and, and Bank of Shanghai. But the experience of using their software is, 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 is very, very unsatisfactory. How is it to work with banks, with API, with giving access to them? Do they have API? Do they give you access to the, the bank account of the clients to reconcile? That's a big question mark for me. Uh, that is a, a very pertinent question. Uh, and I, I have several points in response to this question. The first point is that, you know, uh, actually what differentiates our software in China versus all other SaaS systems is that uh, is our design, is our beauty. So we actually have a very streamlined design of uh, in terms of organization and flow of our functionalities. And uh, actually, our chief designer is a foreigner who understands the Chinese accounting. So this is very important, you know. Um, to be very frank, you know, um, the uh, you know the design um, in, in software design in Western countries are much more advanced. So that's why we have our designer who is a, for, for, uh, is a foreigner. Um, and uh, the, uh, secondly, you know, I know that what you are talking about in terms of using of the, uh, the systems provided by the online backing system provided by the Chinese banks, I know it is uh, difficult to use quite some of them. Um, uh, however, we enable the download, uh, uh, you know, the banks provide the features of downloading of electronic back statements into Excel file, and uh, our software enables the upload of the Excel file into our system. So, does it so actually... Does it mean that um, manually people who use your software have to download and, in, in, and upload, or does it connect directly to the bank? And yeah. uh, then the second question is that, do they open API? Because I feel uh, the banks in China, because they have such a large market, they have so much power, I'm not sure they really care about the small players around them, like in the US, uh, in Europe, the banks would like to actually create their API and make it possible to give access to the bank account. In France, for instance, where we, we, we have a company, um, accounting, accounting companies, accountants have a secured access to every bank and it goes through a centralized uh, solution uh, uh, very, very regulated, but it's very secure. And uh, you, you can connect your software to the bank through this solution. How is it in China? 
you are talking about actually so-called backfit feature, which means when you open your accounting SaaS accounting software, you already have your back statements uploaded into into your software directly from the uh, from the bank. Okay, so this is so-called back backfit, and QuickBook Online and Zero all has this backfit feature because they have the support from a wide, a big number of international banks. So they provide such kind of functionality. You are right. But in China, this has been very backward, very backward. Uh, as, um, back, big banks, they provide backfeed, you know, uh, possibility, but uh, it is very costly. Now, uh, big companies use such kind of uh, uh, technology to, to actually, uh, actually automatically uh, uh, get the back statements from the API you know, uh, obtain the back statements from the API. But uh, actually for small businesses, uh, this is still not affordable, you know. However, you know, we, we enable a very smooth upload of back statements. When you download back statements, that takes about one minute. When you upload, that's, that takes about 30, 30 seconds. So in total, one minute and 30 seconds, you have your back statement already in our software. So it's- a, So you need to do it yourself, right? Uh, uh, the, the clients, they can perform that and uh, it okay. is very uh, uh, streamlined. It's very easy, just not, not okay. too much work at all. Um, okay. So actually most of our clients, they are using this uh, uh, upload and download functionalities to really track their uh, cash flow, to really make sure that uh, they collect money and they pay proper, properly to their suppliers. My other question is about um, um, uh, mobile. Uh, we are in a, in a world where uh, everyone has a mobile. Uh, there are about 900, uh, 900 million, I think, uh, mobile users in China, which is not actually uh, everyone in China. But um, this is widespread, uh, smartphones. Uh, are you, um, is your software making it possible to scan FAPIAR, recognize the amount of the FAPIAR, what we call, I think, OCR, if, if my memory is correct, and uh, input on the cloud? Is it something which is uh, possible now, or it's something that you are working on, or that's still something which is not working very well? Uh, uh, this is also a very pertinent question, so uh, thank you. Actually, uh, Actually, you know, the beauty of our software is that, you know, we are like Legos, you know. Uh, we, 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 we do not, you know, um, aspire to resolve all these kind of accounting uh, and management problems. We just uh, actually, our core functionality is about back reconciliation and uh, general ledger <clears throat> to issue financial reports. And uh, there are actually uh, companies uh, who has a lot of uh, you know business development people, and they have a lot of expenses to approve and process, and then they need to well manage FAPL, and they will need to give the tools to their staff to to better manage their expenses and better summits and uh, claim their expenses. Actually, we have we we, we are working with uh, some of the end-on functionalities, end-on software, SaaS softwares who dedicates to manage FAPL, which dedicates to manage FAPL. For example, one of our uh, Anon partner uh, named Xi Baoxiao, uh, happy expense claim, okay? Um, actually, they, they have very strong mobile side functionalities to enable the business development people, uh, to enable the staff employees to actually uh, record their uh, expenses instantly when the expenses occur, and also enable them to scan the FAPL into the soft into the mobile phone and then submit the expense claim 
uh, and then their, um, the, the manager and the directors can approve the expense claim uh, over the cloud. And later, all these expense claim transactions can be synchronized into our making accounting software seamlessly. And then for, for, for later processing in terms of uh, making sure the payment is in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, these expense transactions go into the general ledger for, for, for financial reporting purposes. So these two softwares are very much integrated, although they come from uh, two different vendors because we have open API to connect uh, us together. So this is, a, this is actually one of the core parts of the cloud technology. I see. So your strategy, if I understand correctly, is not to develop everything internally, and uh, that's understandable, otherwise it would be never-ending um, and um, overwhelming. Uh, it is to partner with other um, very, very niche, very focused solution, and to be able to interconnect with them through your, your API and their API. So for instance, the one you are mentioning is basically a, 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 an app scanning the FAPL, collecting information on the FAPL, and making it possible for the managers to approve it. And then you can actually connect with those information to reconcile because your core business is to reconcile and ledger. So the, the flow of money inside the company and to, to have statement, financial statements, that you focus your core core business, which is actually uh, um, the main part of accounting, but not everything in accounting. So you could see two ways, either to expand in different directions, including the OCR we, we just mentioned, or focusing on only the financial statements. And so far you have chosen to only focus on financial statements. Uh, you're absolutely correct, you know, and that is the, be that is the beauty that is brought forward by the uh, cloud technology, because I used to, to work with Kindy, which is one of the most prominent ERP system supplier in China, you know. So uh, these conventional ERP suppliers, they, they tended to, you know, build everything, all the functionalities of a ERP system, um, because, uh, you know, they, they used to do uh, on-premise develop uh, deployment of their software. They become very big, and they, they tend to do everything and the software become very complicated. But in the cloud era, in the cloud age, actually, you know, it is no longer like uh, the, the software suppliers uh, are no longer like an elephant. They become increasingly like a, a, a group of uh, wo you know, wolves, you know, uh, small animals, you know, they fight together. Uh, uh, and then it, increasingly there are small independent software vendors focusing on developing a specific feature for specific industry, specific sector, or specific area uh, where they are most, uh, you know, professional. They know about that professional area much better than uh, their, uh, the, uh, the other software vendors. And they focus on a specific area to develop the best quality, best performing feature for that area. And uh, because, you know, ERP systems must be interconnected and then they use the open API over the cloud to connect with each other, eventually form a, a complete um, uh, solution for the client. And the client is in a better position to actually Lego to pick and Lego together different uh, individual pieces of software and make it much easier for them to find the appropriate system which is dedicated for their industry and also a simpler solution with, with uh, less amount of time for implementation. 
So this is the beauty brought uh, brought forward by the cloud technology, and it's been you know already this kind of business model is already prevailing in the Western countries, like especially in Australia. You know, uh, uh, our counterpart in Australia called Zero, they have more than one thousand add-on applications in the area of inventory management, payroll, e-commerce and CIM, et cetera. And, uh, and the, 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 the clients are, uh, you know, they have a, they, they can actually choose from a wide variety of alternatives, options to form their own solution. Yeah. So this is also our business model, but actually, you know, this is also, um, this kind of business model is just uh, growing in China. It's still at a very infant stage. So it, 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 there's still a long way to go before we see this kind of uh, convenience taking place in China. I see. Well, a lot of people talk about blockchain, revolution of blockchain, but I feel, um, and that was also something I, 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 I um, experienced before, that open API may be more revolutionary than blockchain, uh, or is something currently revolutionary, because businesses are able to actually use, leverage the asset of other businesses very easily through open API, where you say cloud businesses, because cloud businesses usually create their open API uh, to be used by other businesses. And this is very, very powerful. The overhype of blockchain, I think, um, have hidden, has hidden uh, this uh, open API concept, which may be more revolutionary than um, than what we see currently in the blockchain. Talking about um, something else you have, you have a lot of information about 1,000 businesses. Um, are you also using this information for um, providing some qualitative understanding or management tips? Because you could do statistics. You could actually leverage this volume of data to say, oh, you are doing better than the average in collecting uh, uh, collecting invoices, or you are doing uh, worse than average in uh, tracking the FAPIO in your expenses. Um, those data, you, you have it. And this reminds me of a business called App Annie. App Annie is a tracking of apps, and there are two ways they make money. They make money like you by um, invoicing the clients to have a tracking of their own app, but they also make money by selling the data they collect anonymously, of course, but to collect all the data, extrapolate it, and making it possible for people to know where they are in terms of management, in terms of performance, in terms of revenue, compared to others. Is it something you are, you are doing as well? Um, yes, uh, actually, you are talking about something that uh, we plan to do in the future. Um, because our client base still are relatively small, and, uh, and we have not achieved the critical mass for big data. I have several points to make uh, on, on this topic. First is that, you know, we are not uh, using our client's data without their allowance uh, uh, permits. And this is very, very important uh, because the data is the asset of our clients, not our asset. We just help them to reserve the data. OK. Um, um, secondly, actually, you know, there are a wide range of uh, applic uh, applications for utilizing the big data. Uh, one of the applications is to actually to get loan to get credit from from your your lenders okay and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, the uh, you know in china your small business it's very difficult for small business to acquire uh, you know uh, loans from the uh, from the lenders uh, at a lower interest rate 
because it's difficult to, to, to give them credit, you know, to evaluate their credibility. Uh, accounting software with uh, maybe two or three years of accounting data enables the lenders like banks to, to, to better evaluate the credibility of the small businesses. Um, actually, if a particular small business uh, are in a position to actually raise funding from the borrowing, and then their uh, advisor, accounting service advisor can advise them, okay, uh, in order to acquire this business uh, uh, after calculation, I suggest that you can acquire may maybe some, some loan from the banks. And then the advisor can go to the bank and, uh, and, uh, and permit the bank to actually evaluate their data, uh, the accounting data, and eventually the bank can offer the credit to the small business. You know? uh, so this is one of the applications uh, the other applications, of course, as you watch, you see it, you know, uh, we can provide numbers uh, in terms of how particular business is performing in different aspects in comparison with the industrial average. You know, um, that, that is certainly a, a, another application area, but we have not grown, grown our numbers sufficiently big in order for us to provide such kind of services. But that will take place certainly in the future, you know. Um, yes. Um, uh, uh, and in terms, you talk about blockchain uh, uh, and API. Yes, blockchain and API are of different technology. Um, actually, I think, uh, you know, blockchain is quite amazing technology. However, its application in different sectors are still in a premature stage. Uh, I think increasingly there will be very strong applications occurring in the future. Uh, API is relatively easy. It just helps to connect uh, uh, different software together to make the information and data flow across different softwares that have a re that has a readily available application in the industry. So that's why API is much more prevailing than the application of blockchain. Um, but I can also give you another uh, application example of blockchain in our platform potentially. For example, uh, we have on our platform, you know, uh, those businesses who has a lot of uh, short-term cash piled on their books, uh, they, they, they do not know how to make use of their cash. There are also businesses who are seeking cash to finance their businesses in the short term. And then if, if our, you know, the accounting numbers, their, uh, the data in our system enables the credit rating for the businesses requiring cash, and actually eventually, we can get around the banks just to let enable the, 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 the businesses with cash to, to lend the cash to the businesses who are requiring cash, who are demanding cash. And these, uh, by doing, fulfilling this, we really need blockchain technology. But that, that is something maybe will take place after many years, okay. I'd like to, to go back on the, uh, this topic to, to continue a little bit on, on loan credit. Uh, two, two things, first one, is it um, compliant and legal, and in which context it is legal to for a company which business is not to uh, uh, lend uh, lend money to to actually uh, uh, give a credit to another to another company? How 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 legal and compliant is it, and what what are the limits, and what are the, the which context you can do that? As you you mentioned, it's it's happening, so I'm pretty sure it's um. It's something you, we can do, but in which context? And second thing, uh, we, we all know, people who have been in business in China for some time, that banks don't give any loan to small and medium companies. 
even if your accounting is is very clear and so on, or at least it's very difficult, especially for woofy so foreign companies. So, to, to, so do you have do you see a change over the the last uh, few months or years uh, in 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 this matter? So, two questions. First, giving a loan from company to company which are not in the financial sector, how easy it is to do, and in which context we can do it. And secondly. What about banks? Uh, what kind of loans they can offer now to small and medium businesses? And, uh, yes, the first question, actually, it is not legal, certainly not legal, uh, that uh, a business can give lending to another business in China. Uh, uh, I think there's a long way to go for us to achieve that uh, you know, aspiration. Um, um, but actually, what I was trying to talk about is that uh, the banking business is really about, uh, you know, information processing. It's really about information processing, you know. Uh, actually, giving credit to a small business is about information processing. And the lending money is uh, information processing. Actually, all these kind of uh, functions can be better performed by cloud accounting, blockchain technology, and artificial intelligence I in think. the future, which save I a think. lot of resources of doing this, you know. One of the reasons why China banks is very reluctant to, to offer credit to small businesses is that it takes a lot of energy and time for them to really evaluate the credit for the small businesses. And uh, the lending numbers is relatively small, sometimes two or three million IMB, and it's not profitable for them to do it. And the blockchain, artificial intelligence, and uh, cloud technology enable much less costly way of uh, performing the credit for small businesses in a much accurate uh, degree, much more accurate degree. So I think this is a kind of a disruptive technology that will save a lot of resources um, for, for, the back, back, uh, for the backing sector. And that will definitely take place in the future, but not now, because now it's not legal, okay? Um, and in terms of the lending to the small businesses, uh, it is, as you said, it is still very difficult for small businesses to get the lending from the banks because banks, they tend to be conservative um, and, and they, banks in China are state-owned, uh, mostly state-owned. You know, They do not want to make any mistakes. Okay, they do not want to make any mistakes. So they, are, they, are, they, are, they have a tendency in terms of aversion of the risks uh, so normally they offer lending to the businesses as long as you have a you have something to okay like you have a real estate you have some yeah. uh, you have something to 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 ensure the fact that you have the capability to pay back yeah. your money. Yeah. Um, yeah, what we call a collateral. So they all collateral, always yes, ask collateral. for collateral. Yes, okay. collateral. Which is yes. very yeah, which is not as uh, would say mature as um, the, in Europe and in the US where you can have working capital loan without collateral. Uh, to make sure that um, it's um, 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 it, it helps you to to pay your the payroll uh, the, the to run the company and also factoring. I'm not sure factoring is that developed neither in in China where the, the bank would give the money give some money uh, credit to to the to the company before they get paid the invoice and the company would show the invoice before and that's where actually your software would be useful is to see how many accounts receivable they have and the the bank could lend the equivalent of money. But I'm, my, my understanding is that it's not very developed in China yet. Of course not, not yet. Of course not yet. I think there's still a long way to go. But, uh, you know, I mean, 
increasingly, we are seeing that in the Western countries, this kind of uh, backing business become increasingly efficient and more competitive. And uh, inevitably, that will affect uh, the growth and development of the backing sector in China uh, uh, under the globalization perspective. So actually, we are pioneering this. But not what we are doing is that we are actually... You know, as I said, uh, we do not see our clients leaving us during the epidemic. Why? Because they are strong in terms of managing their organizations. And actually, those companies that are using our software are net intrinsically and naturally very well-managed businesses. And in the future, it will be the same. So just think about it. Maybe after maybe three or five years, we have 5,000 and 10,000 uh, well-managed businesses with their accounting numbers on our platform. And then it can be a good asset for, you know, for the, uh, for the backing and for the investors to look at uh, in terms of, you know, lending their money or invest uh, their money into, into the companies that using our software. So, but it really takes some time. How do you decide that you are going to develop a new feature? Uh, developing a new feature for um, a medium-sized company um, and tech company is hard because it's a lot of investments, a lot of time. It can maybe not work well. And when you push the new feature to the client, they may find out some bugs depending on what browser they use, depending on which circumstances they use. So how, what's your process in terms of um, uh, deciding a new feature and how to develop it? Oh, oh, oh that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, over the last uh, three to four years, most of the ideas for developing our new feature comes from the feedback from our clients. So this is very important. You know, we have uh, actually iterated uh, for uh, more than 50 updates. We, we do updates uh, normally one or two months per update, you know. So most of the new features, we just, uh, we just uh, listen to the market and our clients will tell us, okay, this feature, uh, I su we, we suggest some kind of a modification or revision. And uh, we, we are looking forward to this feature, but your software is not supplying. And then we actually collect this feedback and we make a, you know, analysis of which features are of the most pertinent to character to our clients. And we make a decision. So actually, I would say that uh, uh, when, when we first developed the software, we just uh, learn about uh, from the features from the foreign countries like QuickBook Online and Zero, And then we combine that with the Chinese statutory accounting requirements and we develop our first version. And later on, most of our you know, uh, product innovation ideas uh, came from the collection, uh, from the feedback from our clients, actually. I see. So more than the competition, you look at your clients and you ask your, your clients what are their pain, pain points in order to develop new features. The danger of that is that clients very often want everything, even uh, things which are actually they're going to use only one or two times. They may have a lot of things they want to develop. So you have to screen them, rank them, and then make a decision on which one is key and which one is secondary. Uh, that is a very professional question, actually. Yeah, we, 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 of, of course, uh, we are not blinding in accepting the feedback of the clients. One of the key, you know, uh, decision-making factor, whether or not we will just uh, uh, incorporate one of the feedback into our future feature, a future feature is that, does it affect the overall architect, uh, overall design and, uh, of our software? If it does impact on that, we will just uh, go to the client and tell them that maybe you need that feature from another add-on software, which is not uh, in, within the scope of our functionality. 
Um, it's, yes. It's yes. very interesting. Yeah. We interviewed before a software company and um, they, 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 they gave us a very uh, good insight, uh, which is additional. I don't know what's happening outside. There is a lot of ring from police, so I don't know. Uh, but they, they were providing um, an insight on the fact that if a salesperson in their team was going back to the office saying, my client wants this feature, they were saying, okay, if we don't have the features, if the management was, if you don't have the feature, you have to find another company outside our firm to develop for us the feature and it will be an additional cost on your PNL profit and loss with this client. And then the salespeople will say, oh, maybe that's not necessary. Maybe we can do with what we have and I'm going to sell what we have. So your way of doing is not to say, uh, then we, we, we ask an outsourcing company to, to create a feature for this client, but you say this client, we may find for you some existing softwares, existing solutions, which are solving your, 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 your issue. And I, I believe, I strongly believe this topic, this topic of developing or non-developing a feature when you are in a tech company by listening to your clients and to know how to manage that with your ecosystem environment is a key skill to develop when you want to manage a tech company. Do you agree with me? I fully agree. I fully agree. Because we have availability of, you know, third third party softwares in the market, which can be connected with us. So we need to really carefully analyze, you know, where does the, the requirement go? in terms of the functionality of the software. And uh, if it does not you know, reside, on in, reside in the scope of our, our own software, we'll try to help the client to find an on which contains this uh, functionality. And eventually they can use uh, you know, the integrated software because we, we connect with each other through API. Uh, the, the purpose is that you know, we, are, we, we do not want to enlarge our software to become so sophisticated that make it no longer beautiful, no longer, you know, we, we do not want to sacrifice our usability because if we just add adding one feature, maybe this feature is not used by most of our clients and but it becomes visible to most of our clients. That help that only serves to reduce our usability. So that's that's something we are very careful at. Okay. But uh, our advantage is that we can always, you know, get an ounce to resolve the problem for a particular client for a specific requirement. Question about Excel standard. I mentioned it at the beginning. Uh, what is Excel standard? What do you do with them? Uh, actually, I want to say uh, the reason why we are still, you know, we, we are not so so successful in terms of our subscription numbers is that uh, we are dependent. Our business model is dependent upon qualified accountants. You know, because uh, because eventually, if they if the, our software is, is, is going to de- deliver value to the clients, the, the, the clients need to really get someone to supervise the recording of the transactions to make everything accurate. The clients need someone to really generate the, uh, you know, pertinent uh, management reporting for them and help them to make decisions. And this kind of uh, uh, value is now to de- de- delivered by our software alone. Proceed. Actually, we uh, you know we really need qualified professional uh, accountants with uh, Chinese business experiences to help our clients to make best use of our software. So this is very important. But the problem we we came across is that which we didn't expect is that the supply 
there is a great shortage in terms of the supply of uh, professional qualified accountants in China, which is very backward in comparison with the Western countries. This is a big problem because uh, I think one of the reasons is because of the education system in, in China. Um, and uh, the, you know, accountants increasingly in the future, they need to build a business mindset. They are not only bookkeepers. They are not only crunching the numbers. They really need to under, step forward to understand the business model of their client company or their employer. They really need to, 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 to you know, make sense of the businesses from the perspective of the business owners or, or the CEO. Uh, so that they know how to use you use the numbers to help the CEO or, or the business owners to make accurate decisions. So okay. that poses a, a very high requirement in terms of the um, br- broad range of uh, skills for the accountants. So that resulted in you know the short supply of the qualified accountants. So that's a big problem. But uh, in terms of the foreign business sector, uh, a large number of accounting firms they still charge very high fees. And by delivering basic level compliance services, and so compliance services are required by the government, you know, that's the minimum level of uh, services. But actually, foreign companies in China, they really need, you know, good internal control, good tax planning, you know, good Chinese experiences to help them to mitigate a wide range of risks, which they are unfamiliar with, and also help them to maximize their take-home profits. And uh, the supply of qualified accountants in this area is quite important. We've seen actually a lot of uh, foreign business with decent service, with good technology, with high quality products. They, they, they actually, they have a good sales, but they are not making money because of, you know, they are not controlling their business quite well in China. Um, actually, we, we've uh, produced uh, a text called Business Management Playbook uh, for China, which when you say with access standard, right? With access standard, because we synthesized from our case studies, you know, because we have a, around five to 10 accounting firms who are providing these high level services, uh, working uh, on, on top of our cloud accounting platform. So they actually helped, uh, you know, their business, uh, their client business, foreign businesses to, to, to actually improve the management and actually better grow their business in China. And we synthesized these stories into a, text called Business Management Playbook for China, in which we actually analyze the problems uh, by categorizing the problems into four categories uh, in terms of uh, uh, compliance, tax planning, uh, financial planning uh, and analysis, and internal control. Um, so that this can be a reference to, I think, foreign business owners, because they, if they want to lower down their risk and costs and maximize their profits, okay? Yeah, I have your, we, we got your document. It's a very, very instructive document indeed from Access Standard. My last question is about computer science. You studied computer science from 1994 to 1998 in Chengdu at Sichuan University. Back uh, then, and when you look uh, at what you did, how do you analyze the evolution of com- computer science since you studied it to now? Uh, I, I think... Um... I think, you know, uh, I, I started to, to, first of all, I have to acknowledge that uh, I am not at all an expert of computer science, you know. I, I become in, as a, you know, resource integrator, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm more of a businessman uh, at this moment. But th- you're right. I Actually, I started to use computer um, more than 30 years ago. 
Uh, and my, my first computer was, uh, was something like Apple II. Apple II. I don't know if you you know this kind of computer. You know, I they, see, I see, I I I saw some documentaries, but I didn't use it. But the, so the, the in in China, you learned coding on an Apple II. Yes, I learned the basic language of a computer. You know, a computer language of basic, basic. You know, I see. Uh, uh, you know that is a very uh, easy to learn language, but not so powerful. Uh, when I started to use Apple II, that was more than 30 years ago, you know, uh, and the memory was about uh, 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 48 kilobytes. Think about it. <laughs> you know, at that moment, we can do a very, very, you know, um, uh, minimize the, you know, functionality with Apple II. But look at now, the, the computer is, uh, is uh, remarkably more powerful than, than, than it was 30 years ago. Um, however, you know, uh, uh, I see evolution of, of computer science uh, very rapidly, but personally, I'm not a, a programmer. I didn't write even one commercial programming line. Sorry, but I, I have no too much comments in this question, you know. Okay. okay. But, but it, it but, was interesting know, to, to know that you, you learned coding on Apple uh, back in the 1990s. Uh, and uh, China in the 1990s, uh, in Sichuan University and Chengdu in Sichuan, is very, very, very different from China in 2020. So to, yeah. to, to know that you learned on, on to, 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 to code on Apple, I think it gives a sense of how China has been open since uh, the what we call the Kaikou Kaifeng and uh, the opening of the economy, um, importing Apple computers, teaching on Apple uh, computer science in 1994, for instance. I, I, I want to I want to say that you know uh, very important. This this is from my personal perspective in doing business with foreign companies. I think you know uh, China benefited over the last 30 years a lot from opening up to to, to the world. And actually, uh, we imported and uh, we uh, absorbed, uh, you know, a lot of technology in terms of computer uh, information technology and also internet, and that enabled us to, you know, develop and uh, to uh, develop a, a, a wide variety of industries in China. Eventually, drive up our GDP sustainable growth for more than thirty years. So it is very important that uh, we actually imported this technology. Um, and also, I see foreign businesses uh, in China also making great contributions to the China's economy. And relatively, they, they offer good technology, they bring in good management, and they offer good product to the Chinese consumers. And they are relatively willing to pay honest taxes. So these are all the contribution to the Chinese economy. And also, we see that you know when the Chinese government is reforming its uh, tax system, it makes it you know more fair for the foreign business to in China because that drives the Chinese businesses for financial visibility, financial transparency, and that forces the Chinese businesses increasingly to also pay accurate and honest taxes. That puts the Chinese business and foreign business on the same equal foot. So make it more fair for the business, uh, more, you know, make it easier for the foreign businesses in the future. And I think, I think, you know, I will be very happy if there are increasing number of foreign businesses becoming successful, they make money in China and they take the profit back into their home country because they are really contributing to the China's, Chinese economy. It will be a positive and optimistic ending to, to this um, discussion. It's uh, more than one hour now. 
So we have to, to end it now. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, and I'd like to thank two people who have made this podcast possible, uh, our intern Etienne Dahl and Sophia uh, Bakta, our marketing manager, who have been uh, in touch with you before. Thanks, Michael, for, for this discussion. It was very instructive, uh, very genuine, um, and um, a, a lot of expertise uh, displayed uh, in SaaS business and accounting and very true um, discussion. So thanks for sharing, Michael. Uh, thank you, Matthew, and uh, also for uh, for Sophie, right? Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, I hope uh, the podcast will be more influential and successful in the future. And you are really doing a very good thing, you know. Thanks, Michael, and, and uh, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye, bye, everyone. Even, and the last uh, remark is that yeah. I hope everyone, the listeners of this podcast, uh, you know, stay safe and healthy in the face of the epidemic. Yeah, hopefully we are reaching the end soon, hopefully. Yeah. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.